Welcome to Witch City Witches, a podcast from Salem, Massachusetts, exploring the practice of witchcraft. I'm Anna. And I'm Becca. And today we are here with Thomas Fowler, a.k.a. Tom the Tour Guide, a.k.a. Salem Witch Wiles. Welcome, Tom. Hey, what's up? Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and happy Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween, happy Samhain, happy uh, Trump losing the election, all that good stuff. <laughs> So Tom, we are here today to talk to you because uh, you know you these days are one of the iconic witch figures in Salem, and you do all sorts of amazing stuff. But before we get into all those goodies, we're going to ask you our basic question, which is, do you identify as a witch, and what does that mean to you? Yes, I do identify as a witch. And to me, um, Witchcraft, I think it's important to say it can mean different things to different people. So if other people want to identify as a witch or not identify as a witch based on their own, you know, definitions or reasoning, they're more than welcome to do that. But um, yes, I, I do consider myself to be a witch. And to me, uh, that means it, it represents my my outlook in the world, uh, the way that I see uh, things around me, um, kind of perceiving things through um through a witch's eyes. Do you consider witchcraft a religious path? Uh, it can be for certain people. I always uh, try to explain to people um, that don't know much about it. The easiest way to look at it is like most people are familiar with Wicca and they think Wicca is more of a generic thing. But generally, once you know more about witchcraft, it's seen that Wicca is one religion based in witchcraft. And witchcraft is something that's more, it's more of an umbrella term. Mm -hmm. And I always say witchcraft in America you know, witchcraft has always been a melting pot of culture, and America is a melting pot of culture as well, and then witchcraft in America, so it's extra, extra diverse, and, you know, anytime there's new, uh, there's new people, there's, like, new, you know, any new immigrant group that shows up to America influences and changes witchcraft, it's always uh, becoming something new, it's not one thing, you know. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you're mentioning that because uh, you know, we discuss that a lot on this podcast and I consider witchcraft my religion and Becca considers it an aspect of her, you know, Hellenic practice. Uh, so even, you know, between the two of us, we have very different definitions of it. So for you personally, where does that, where do you fall on that? To me, I think that a lot of different religions can influence a different person, every different person's type of witchcraft. And I, I love religion. I've always studied it. Um, when I was a kid, I actually thought that I hated religion and I thought that I wanted to be an atheist. And I was for a little while, like as a teenager, because I, you know, you're only exposed to a few things. Um, I went through that cycle too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in the, in the suburb, when you're raised in like the suburbs and the city in America and, you know, predominantly a certain type of culture, you're not really exposed to certain things. So to me, I thought, oh, well, these are, this is religion. These are, this is all there is. This is dumb. As I got older, I started to study other types of religions, and I learned about the things uh, that influenced witchcraft and all of that. And um, I think the first thing I learned about when I was a little kid was Zen Buddhism, which was really, I think that was really helpful for me because it's like an atheist, or it's like a non-theistic religion. And that's, that's a really good way of looking at religion, I think, sometimes. So it's been really influential. So that actually gets to, um, you know, the other part of the question about like, you know, what brought you to Salem and what brought you to your current practice? So, you, you know, you, you touched on that a little bit, but what, what has your path been to get to where you are right now? Well, I, you know, when I first started learning about witchcraft was really, you know, I, I basically, when I was a kid, I was always interested in acting and I was always interested in teaching. Um, and learning, but it always bothered me um, that the way that schools worked and teaching worked, it seemed as though I'd never be able to tell kids the truth. So being a teacher seemed out of the question. I didn't want to like lie to kids about, you know, Christopher Columbus and Thanksgiving and all of that stuff. So um, I thought I would pursue acting and then I, you know, fell into some troubles, uh, you know, when I was a young adult, but um, I kind of just ended up being a tour guide. and when I was doing the tour guide thing in Salem, um, that's when I started to also learn about witchcraft. Um, and I realized that being a tour guide and teaching people about witchcraft and, you know, the important history around here was a good um, kind of synthesis of acting and teaching. So I realized early on that this was kind of my path and it was 
kind of, you know, a lot of people, they, they're, they search their whole lives for like their meaning in life, or they're trying to escape their hometown, or there's some, you know, goal that they have, or um, for me, I feel like I, I found it pretty, pretty early. So I'm really lucky. And the tour guide uh, came first. I always assumed it was the other way around. No. And, you know, and it was fun because as I began to learn more and more about witchcraft, I was also getting questions from tourists about witchcraft, beginners level questions. So it made me wonder about the most controversial things first. So my path into witchcraft, I was always learning about the most debated subjects and the most controversial subjects and the, um, you know, the most weird stuff. Um, so that, and then, and I also was able to learn through the history of Salem and witchcraft being in Salem since the seventies, um, the different teachers that have been around and who they influenced and all the different types of books and, you know, what, you know, if I'm going to learn from a teacher, I want to know who taught them and so on and so forth. And a lot of the times with certain sects of witchcraft, that might be like secret you know, lineage and oath-bound stuff. But when it comes to a lot of authors and uh, public figures, it's something that you can kind of see more. So I was always able to, I guess, get perspective, which was always important to me. I don't just want one point of view, you know? Right. Absolutely agree. Did you did you grow up in Salem? I actually don't know where you grew up. No, I, <clears throat> excuse me. I moved around a lot growing up. I just, um, there's no real reason. I just had weird parents, I guess. I uh, lived in a few different places. Basically, by the time I was like 15 years old, I lived in about 20 different towns and like three different states. And um, the then I kind of ended up, you know, after living in city and the suburb and all different, you know, places. And when I was a teenager, I ended up in this really rich kind of suburban town, you know, right as Abercrombie and Fitch was a big deal and everybody was watching Dawson's Creek. Um, I lived like in that friggin' town and it was garbage um, and I hated it. And that was, uh, <laughs> for me, it was the, it was when I began, really, really began to rebel against um, the mainstream and the norm. And I also began, to, I always loved, you know, I always kind of went to church when I was a kid because I just thought it was what you were supposed to do. And for me, it was more about the charity and stuff like that. And I was lucky. I went to um, a chill church, an Episcopal church um, where they were really open-minded, but like, um, you know, that's when I rebelled against religion as well. Um, so then, like I said, I, I went through some rough times, but then I just kind of ended up in Salem, which was, I was really lucky. And I could have moved out of Salem a few times. I had the opportunity, but I think what always drew me back to Salem, and before I knew anything about my love for history or um, teaching people about history, or before I even knew that I was a witch, what it was, was Halloween. And I always just really, really loved Loved, loved Halloween since forever. And Salem and Halloween was just so magical and amazing that I had to stay here. And, you know, that I learned later on about the connection between Halloween and the dead and witchcraft. And I realized in a way it was like the, the dead, like my ancestors were calling me to Salem so that I could can reconnect and I could tell their stories. You know, that's one, that's kind of one of the ways that I look at it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, like the, you know, the house closely tied Salem and Halloween is and I know that a lot of people can find it offensive that um, in commemorating the deaths of innocent people, we throw a big party for a month. I personally like to think about it as that those Puritans would be really pissed off. <laughs> yeah, I always say anything that would piss off the Puritans makes me happy. But as far as respecting the dead, I, I like to look at it in the you know, when people talk about an Irish funeral, I remember when I was a little kid, I went to my grandmother's funeral and all of my aunts and extended family and all, all the kids and everybody was at the funeral, just freaking out, crying. And it was really depressing. And Irish people are, you know, or, you know, Irish Americans even very dramatic and, um, you know, just wailing during the funeral. And then we get to, you know, probably what was it? not the Knights of Columbus. It was the VFW, of course, where my grandmother was a member. Uh, and everybody was just partying and dancing and, and drinking and hanging out. And I was just like, it's, at the time, it seemed a little awkward. But then when I got older, I learned about the tradition of Irish funerals and how that was actually um, something that went back to ancient times. And I thought, you know, and as I got older, this was, that's kind of how I look at Salem and Halloween is that um, essentially the dead want us to enjoy our lives, you know? So balancing 
being able to party but also respect the dead, I think, is something that's up to every individual to find their own place to do that. But for me, it's pretty easy. You know, <laughs> even the cheesy stuff, like when there's a bunch of, you know, stupid plastic toys that just go to waste, even if it's just terrible litter, or if there's like, you know, a, a drunk person throwing up in a bush and it's just some like jock guy or whatever, I always just like kind of smile to myself and I'm just like, this debauchery is just. It's absurd and it's ridiculous and it's bad, but it's also just so funny that people just do this stuff, you know? <laughs> I think the dead would be laughing if, you know. That's funny. It actually reminds me of seeing a lot of drunk people in the McIntyre district uh, taking leaks behind people's houses. <laughs> well, well, with the pandemic, they've closed almost all the public bathrooms. Oh, so, I'm not talking this year. Like this oh. year, I didn't see any, but just in general, like they stumble out of downtown, don't know where to go. And then, like, you just catch them, like, drunkenly peeing, you know, be, like, in, like, little streets. Yeah. I used to what? live in a building right downtown, and the building was across the street from a bar. I guess I won't say the name of the bar. That would, I won't I won't say. Um, but it starts with an R. And I lived, like, kind of diagonally across the street. There's only one, so you know what it is if you live in Salem. They, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, when they this is a few years ago, would shut down that bar, say, you know, last call or whatever, and then kick everybody out. They actually didn't give all of the crazy drunk people enough warning to use the bathroom. So <laughs> the entire bar would get pushed out. Everybody would go outside and then be looking for places to pee. And every single weekend night, there would be like ladies squatting in the, the alleyway, like where the door is to my building, thinking that it was like some hidden place, but it was right where all of the people, all the tenants for that building, six floors worth of tenants would come in and out. Um, and there's video cameras there and everything. Hey, I, you know, I, I can't even believe that bars would do that, just send people out into the streets. Um, this is great. We're learning all the, the secrets of um, Halloween in Salem. <laughs> the joys of Salem, the, the part that, that doesn't get talked about in the uh, tourist brochures. Well, so I always say it's at least it's not New Orleans. We're like New Orleans, but a lot more family friendly. There's 10 times less vomiting in the streets. We don't have to hose down Essex Street like they do with, uh, uh, what is it, the big street in New uh, Orleans. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they have to like actually clean the street. There's so much yeah. vomit. Well, I mean, there's a lot of drunk people in Salem, but we don't actually allow you to like walk around the street with uh, hurricane glasses tied around your neck with a, with a straw. So, you know, that's different. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness, you're a small. <laughs> what I like about Salem in the past, um, you know, in the past like maybe 15 years or so, as internet culture and like meme culture and cosplay culture, anime stuff has become like more of a mainstream thing. Salem around Halloween not this year of course or much less this year it's almost like a big anime convention or like a video game convention or something like all the nerds show up in their ridiculous costumes and a lot of the people that have costumes that visit Salem they'll have they'll have oftentimes more professional looking costumes than most of the street performers and they'll just be like wandering around showing off their costume on Halloween night it's not even you don't even need to spend money on Halloween night. People just wander around looking at each other's costumes, you know? Yeah. And people show up for the rest of the year wearing costumes too. Like people, it, it may, someone just be walking down the street dressed like Spider-Man. They're not a street performer. They're, not, they're just, they wanted to wear their Halloween costume. So they took a day trip to Salem and everyone's just like, yep, okay, that's fine. You'll be sitting, eating in Gulu Gulu. Someone with a full Viking costume in the middle of June will walk in and ask to put up a flyer in the doorway. And they're like, that's, that's fine. That's normal. It's normal that people sitting next to me are dressed like pirates. <laughs> I worry though, because often, oftentimes, I people think that I'm in costume when I'm not, because I just have ridiculous outfits. People think, "Oh, are you are you supposed to be a vampire?" And I'm like, "No, I'm just a witch, and this is how I dress. I'm a Satanist. Uh, I, you know, this is just a cloak. It's very warm. Uh, it's cold outside. <laughs> you know, or I have." A you can usually. <laughs> You can usually tell the locals versus the tourists because the tourists' um, gothy clothes look very new. <laughs> yeah. I had a um, nice jacket that I wore for a while with a, a faux fur trim on it. And people would be like, oh, you're supposed to be Jon Snow? I'm like, uh. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> I had to stop wearing that. 
So, Tom, you actually, uh, you know, sort of brought up one of the other things that we wanted to talk to you about. You said that you're a Satanist and, you know, in witchcraft circles, that's a discussion that comes up a lot where people like to equate witchcraft and Satanism and they're obviously, you know, not the same thing. And then there's also the difference between, you know, LaVey Satanism and, you know, what, what's happening here in Salem with Satanism. So I thought that it would be great if we could talk a bit about that. So let's start with, uh, you know, I guess, what, what brand of Satanism, for lack of a better word, are you involved in and what does that mean? And then later we can talk about, you know, witchcraft versus. <laughs> well, I think one of the, the, one of the best ways that, to start off explaining is to stress that in the past, um, most witches have been exposed to Satanism, but uh, a different type than uh, the satanic temple. So most witches don't understand when they hear Satanism, it oftentimes is like a trigger because, you know, most witches that are involved with the media or even just in your daily life, one of the first questions that you often get asked is, do you worship Satan or are you a Satanist? So it's actually really annoying. Most right. witches are totally frustrated and they're like, no, oh my God, we don't worship Satan. So it just the, um, I, the idea of Satanism is annoying too, because when you when you learn about what it was, um, kind of the more old fashioned versions of it that were more popular throughout the you know sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, those were you know types of Satanism that oftentimes were at odds with witches, and there was always issues and problems and stuff like that. But um, the Satanic Temple is a fairly new branch of Satanism. It's not. Levian Satanism, but it takes, you know, some influences from all different uh, types. But the, the Satanic Temple itself is what the biggest, the biggest problem that witches should have with it is that it's uh, against the, against the supernatural. And there is no, uh, it's non-theistic. So there's no gods. Satan is not a dude. It's a symbol. Um, and it symbolizes, you know, rebellion, knowledge, and you think of, you know, the satanic temple is, it, it, you know, you hear the story of Adam and Eve and they're like, all right, just, just eat the damn apple. It sounds like God is the bad guy, clearly, in that story. Um, it's just one simple way to look at it. So, you know, the real the real big difference between the satanic temple and witchcraft is, you know, the, the lack of supernatural stuff. But to get more into what the satanic temple is, the, the influences of it go all the way back to um, ideas and symbols from like, you know, Enlightenment era and the French Revolution, you know, it goes back to, you know, ancient demonology as well, but it's more based in the, um, the symbolism and the, the groups that embraced the symbol of Satan, Satan more as a rebel figure. And then you'll see, you know, a little bit later on in history, um, during the Romantic era, there's like a lot of literature written where Satan isn't seen as, you know, a bad guy, but more as like, you know, the rebel. And, that's where the satanic temple looks to uh for influence and that's stuff that existed before anton levey um so a lot of a lot of people who are levain satanists or um members of what is called the church of satan they will say oh to be a satanist you have to follow anton levey because he invented satanism but he really um he codified it uh you know he made it really popular and uh, he is obviously really influential, but the Satan Satanic Temple doesn't see him as a major influence, um, just as like one of the many, you know. And I think if most witches understood the nuance of that and, you know, and other stuff, they would understand that the Satanic Temple and Satanism in general isn't necessarily like this bad thing, or a threat or whatever, you know. You get a lot of pushback from witches or um, from the, I, I'd assume that from the general public, that you know, people have a reaction to the word Satan, um, but do you do you do you get a lot of pushback from witches about mostly, what about Satan? Mostly, it's old-fashioned witches. Most young witches, um, they're not. They don't judge as quickly, and they'll be like, "What does that mean?" And they'll Google it real quick. Um, or they'll be like, oh, that's the documentary with the Baphomet statue people. And, or, you know, they've, they've heard of it on, you know, memes or something like that. Whereas more old fashioned witches, their only exposure to Satanism is kind of the more antagonistic um, kind of edgelord stuff. Um, so that they, you can see why they get pissed off. You know, when someone, like I just did 
recently a YouTube video. Um, check it out, everyone. Uh, this is my friend Sky. It's called. It's on the Sky Life is the YouTube video, and some of the comments on it were like, "Oh man, this this person associating Satanism and witchcraft. Like he doesn't know what he was talking, what he's talking about. Anton Lavey, blah blah blah." And it's like, I don't know what I'm talking about. If you just Googled the Satanic Temple, you would know that we are not Levian. So these people come at it very defensively and they don't do the research. And they get really angry about it. So it's it's almost impossible to argue with them sometimes. I remember in the 90s when I was, you know, I was in my early 20s and just, you know, getting into paganism, my interaction with Satanists were definitely with the Levian's type. And my experience was that they were basically Ian Randian yep. libertarians yep. who like to wear costumes and invite people to orgies. Right. Like that was, that's my, <laughs> that's my entire thing from the nineties. Like, Oh great. Those people again. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. And that's the philosophy of the satanic temple. Ba- basically one of the, you know, the, the two founders of the satanic temple, one of them is much more, uh, much more well-known Lucian Greaves. Um, they were involved with circles of Satanism and you can find like interviews with them talking to some of those craphead people. And this is where, you know, at a certain point they realized that like this whole thing was really toxic and they essentially just needed to create a new branch of Satanism that went down to the same roots and the same trunk, but was a new branch that didn't have that uh, kind of I don't know, like fascist elements or whatever necessarily kind of the, oh, what's the social Darwinism is one of the things that they'll Mm -hmm. say. Um, That was one of the, I think, I think that's like the main thing when you read quotes by the the people who really created the satanic temple, it was the social Darwinism and the, uh, the, the might is right stuff. And this goes back to some Nazi shit, you know? Um, So that they wanted to create a more, um, you know, more of a left wing, side of things but the satanic temple does see itself as like the middle you know but when when we argue on the internet it's like the church of satan people will say you guys are sjw's and the satanic temple will say to the church of satan like you guys are neck beards so it's like it's really become almost like um like a, a dichotomy there which is annoying um because there are people that are they can be members of both things you don't you can do anything however you want. So there are Church of Satan people that are not Randian at all, and they're not, you know, they're not annoying like that. But um, you know, you do do whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. It's what it's supposed to be about. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have um, a ton of experience with Satanism personally, and I've been trying to sort of understand that better myself. And I, in my head, I had come to the conclusion, and now I'm wondering if I'm wrong that. You know, Levian Satanists, Church of Satan folks were approaching it from a more like actual theistic place of actual more worship to the figure of Satan, whereas the Satanic Temple, to me, has always come across as more of a political organization rather than an actual like religious organization. Do you is that accurate? I guess you know to someone who's in back here. Wait, we have to. There's a few things we have to address here. Oh my gosh! Wait, go back to the <laughs> beginning. What's the first part of that? um so as far as i've understood the church of satan and again i am not um i'm not a satanist and i haven't been involved so you know this is someone on the outside trying to understand so basically you're saying that you you thought the church of satan was more about actually believing in magic well not Um, not magic necessarily but the worship of the figure of satan as kind of a figure um uh, that was antithetical to the Judeo-Christian God in mythology. Like to me, it always seemed like the church of Satan was more of a religious practice. Well, both, both the church of Satan and the satanic temple don't worship Satan, but see Satan as the, you know, the antithesis of the Christian mythology. And that that's an important part of Satanism just in general. But um, you'll find that in the, in the development of Levian Satanism with, you know, Anton Levay himself, he, uh, if you look up quotes and interviews and things by him, he kind of bounced back and forth between whether it was an actual supernatural practice or a theistic practice or whether it was um, more atheist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did see it as like a religion, religion. Um, right. Now, the Satanic Temple, um, 
what you, what you said about the satanic temple is it, as it being more political, um, it's, it's important to stress most people, the first things that you hear about the satanic temple is the activism. So um, most people will hear about these, you know, the, the protest of the Ten Commandment monuments with the Baphomet statue and things like that. Um, they'll, under, they'll think that the satanic temple isn't really a religion, but it's an activist group pretending to be a religion to make a point. Um, and that's totally not how it works. Um, mm. It's important to stress that, like I mentioned earlier, with Zen, with Zen Buddhism, that you don't have to necessarily believe in the supernatural or have a blind faith or believe in any kind of deities to be a religion. You can be you know, a logic and philosophical movement and still be a religion. And I think the definition of the word religion, uh, including, you know, the idea that you have to believe in something unbelievable is something that shouldn't be there and isn't necessarily the truth. And the satanic temple sees a religion as like a, a set, uh, you know, a code that you live your life by, you know. And But the reason that the activism is so important is the, the, the way to understand that is to compare it to other religions. Um, so like most, most of the time when you are a, a religion or you choose a religious path, it's the core uh, drive. Like there's a core moral drive is what it's often referred to as. And like, so a Christian wants to be like Christ. You want to uh, help homeless people. You want to find some prostitutes and wash up their feet real nice. Um, <laughs> the satanic temple, <laughs> our core uh, moral drive is sticking it to the man. So to us, the rebellion of Satan, um, it's, it is fighting oppressors and fighting for the oppressed. Um, and this is something that you'll see reflected in, in other types of Satanism and other sects um, that aren't as popular. Um, you'll find similar concepts and similar ideas. But the Satanic Temple kind of brings um, a lot of it together in a, in a way that's been really, it really resonates with more people. And that's, I think, why it's become such a huge thing. Mm -hmm. I think the last the last time that um that Satanism really got brought up on this podcast was when we had um Brashani Reese on to talk about prison reform and um studying non-traditional faiths in prison and a big issue that she brought up is that people who want to study Wicca in prison or any other sort of um magical faith or pagan practice it's labeled satanic and is disallowed like that's just like a flat like and so like in everything getting pushed over into that category and I think you know I think it got brought up on that podcast that you know even the Satanists aren't satanic these days right. so you know that like it's not it you know what the what the parole board uh may consider as satanism doesn't really exist or at least not in large numbers. I think that makes what the Satanic Temple uh, does even more important because oftentimes the Satanic Temple is kind of, um, you know, putting itself out there in cases of activism that fight for all religion. So uh, the Satanic Temple, I don't think, is doing anything involved with um, with jail or, you know, prison or in that case. But you can see that's that's a perfect example of how um, you know, any kind of non-traditional religion is associated with Satanism anyways. So like, say they're going to do, um, there's going to be a Christmas, a Christmas tree display. And um, well, that's a bad example, because witches would just put up another tree. Um, so say, there's, say there's going to be like, uh, you know, some display somewhere and another religion wants to put up, a, you know, their display next to it. Um, it's going to, they're always going to be defined as satanic. So that's one of the major things that the satanic temple does is put up Christmas displays all over the country and they're beautiful displays one of my favorite ones was the snake tivity um and i wish i could remember what chapter did this what what uh, city it was it was just the most beautiful design of uh it was like a hand uh like an arm coming out with like an, an apple in it with like a snake wrapped around it and an infinity symbol and then like these really cool books and it said the greatest gift of all is knowledge and they were able to display that right next to the other religious displays around the holiday season, you know, the Christmas tree, etc. Um, and I think that's a, that's a really good way of, you know, showing that if they, if they want to deny any religion by saying it's satanic, then that's obviously not separation of church and state, you know, so they're, they're favoring one religion over another, rather than having, you know, no, 
uh, you know, religion, they're, they're favoring just one and that's Christianity. And that's absolutely what the satanic temple fights about, you know. I mean, but that's, that's part of the dichotomy of this country, right? Uh, we, we claim that this country has separation of church and state, but then all the money says in God we trust. You know, there, yeah. there is no separation, even now, you know, coming out of the elections, like the discussion of, you know, the candidates' religious background is constant. Uh, you know, it's a whole thing now that Biden is Catholic. And, you know, so this country is very much obsessed with people's religion while trying to really claim to be secular. The way that I, the way that Biden is a like the only the second Catholic president ever, and I obsess on my tours about the puritanical foundings of the United States and how um, you know religious movements like the Puritans and you know immigrating here and founding uh, uh, our you know culture is a part of the still the problem today. You know it goes all the way back to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you know one of the one of the things. And um, I have nothing to do with this. You know, most of the things I'm mentioning to stress, I have nothing to do with. I'm just a lowly member of the Satanic Temple um, and a tour guide. I teach people stuff. But um, (laughs) most of the cool court cases and stuff, I just read about in the newsletters and talk about with with everyone. And um, but one of the things they're doing right now is there there's an abortions right, an abortion rights, you know, court case. and it's just a very long, complex, you know, thing. But essentially, um, the Satanic Temple is saying that based on our, you know, seven tenets and our religious beliefs, that um, that any woman should be allowed to make her own choice uh, about what to do in uh, in that situation. Um, and it's gotten to the point where it's going to go up to the Supreme Court, and they filed uh, a motion. Um, to have the new Supreme Court justice um, not allowed to be on the case. And they actually, you know, wrote this really, you know, I, I wish I knew the legal terminology, but once again, I'm not that smart when it comes to this stuff, but they wrote this really cool thing and it sounded really logical about how here's some quotes by, what's her name, Amy Barrett? Amy Barrett. <laughs> Amy Barrett, they, they, she is very biased about, um, abortion rights issues, and you can see from this quote, in this quote, in this quote, that you know she's clearly biased, and she should not may be a part of the judgment um, when it comes to the Supreme Court. And that was actually denied. They actually said, "No, no, it's fine, it's fine. She should be able to make that judgment." So it's like, what the hell? That's such so clearly a violation, uh, separation of church and state. She said she would be biased. She like, there's a here's a quote here where she was like. I'm going to be biased in the future. And now she's like, no, don't worry. I won't be biased. Like, what do you, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. She makes me very mad. <laughs> yeah. That whole situation of how it came to be is just maddening. Yep. Yeah. Whatever. Um, people want to be really, really mad at the Democrats. Or, I'm sorry, at the Republicans. They want to be really mad at Donald Trump for that. But I, I wholly blame the Democrats for just being complete pushovers and allowing that whole thing. They should have put the people in when they had the chance and, Obama was like, I'm going to be nice. Like, nah, just do it. No, they, they screwed it up. <laughs> well, I mean, Mitch McConnell blocked o- Obama's person from ever being, you know, it, I don't know. I blame Mitch McConnell. Yeah, that, oh, and he, he's a perfect example too, where they'll be like, people like, when someone's a hypocrite and they literally say something and then do the opposite and you point it out to them, it doesn't matter. They don't care. They know they're a hypocrite. <laughs> Yeah, they, yeah, moving the goalpost is definitely a thing, repeatedly. Yeah. So anyway, so let's talk about where, you know, Satanism and witchcraft kind of meet and don't meet. Because you've talked about how Satanism is, you know, non-theistic and uh, the Satanic Temple uh, doesn't believe in the supernatural. But, you know, you're also a witch. And so obviously there is some theism and some supernatural stuff happening on your end. And how... I guess, are they at odds? Are they not at odds? And how does that sort of work for you? Different people, like depending on how you view religion and what you think witchcraft is, um, you could see them at odds, but um, I don't see it like that. Uh, Mainly the satanic temple to be a member or you have to want to be a member. Like, it's not like um, here are the rules and you're like, oh man, I have to follow these rules. It's you see the rules and you're like, oh, I like these. 
And mm -hmm. it's really only out of the seven tenets uh, and like the concepts of the satanic temple, there's really only one that some religions have a problem with. So when people will hear that I'm a witch and a Satanist, other people, you know, when they're taking the tour, they'll be like, well, you know, I'm this religion. Can I also be a Satanist? Do I have to convert? Um, and I'll be like, do what you want, do whatever the hell you want. Uh, you can be 10 religions, but like to be in the satanic temple, you have to want to follow the rules. And it's really only tenant number five that some other religions don't like. And tenant number five says that our religious beliefs have to conform to the best current understanding of, you know, science. And I've always loved that. Um, I've always tried to look at witchcraft that way. And I see, you know, even someone like Laurie Cabot, who is very, very influential and talks about magic and mysticism a lot, she has said in the past that as a witch, when science proves you wrong, you should accept that and, and move on, you know? And um, I think that that's something that a lot of witches need to learn to do. Uh, because for instance, I, you know, I, people are still recommending echinacea. They prove like sci scientists did a bunch of studies. We know for a fact that echinacea doesn't do anything for a cold, but still all these witches will be like, echinacea, like, so listen, listen to science, you know, when science proves which is wrong, sometimes they get angry about it. Um, for me, I'm like, good, this is about the betterment of human knowledge, you know, um, and when it comes to, you know, actual ritual and um, doing supernatural, you know, things like I'm making a spell or whatever, I always look at it as really symbolic and psychological. You know, um, there are other witches that are in the satanic temple um, that have been in it longer than I, that have written entire books about satanic ritual. And people, or my friend um, Shiva, honey, uh, I forget if that's the name on the book. You know, everybody has their satanims is what it's called. Often people have like a few different names they go by. Um, but you know, uh, look up Shiva and her book uh, about satanic rituals. Um, it's amazing. And, you know, so like most of the time when people come to Satanism, it's because they're rebelling against their old religion and they're mad at it. And most of the time that's like Christianity. Um, but a lot of witches come to Satanism because they want more science and they want more logic and they want more philosophy and they want less of the, um, the, what people call, uh, what were they, what do they call it? I don't know. The, the fluffy bunny stuff, the, they, they just want less of the, what's the word that everybody uses? I don't know. White light, toxic positivity. The woo is what they say. Oh, the woo, yeah. The woo, they, they don't want that, but we want ritual. You want, you know, the camaraderie, you want the symbolism of that and all of that. So the people that help to write the rituals for the satanic temple are often people that have experience in witchcraft. So um, all the symbolism is still there, you know, and it makes it really fun. I think it's interesting you're talking about like, you know, the science versus religion and that concept of science versus religion is very new. Right. Like, Thank I you. mean, I think, I mean, like I study astrology and one of the, like the big names in astrology is Johannes Kepler, who we all know from physics class. And like, you know, it's like- Isaac Newton he, believed some crazy stuff, you know? Like Isaac Newton said that if you hung um, meat out of your window or something, it would cure warts or something stupid like that. So yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of these like scientists that we hold up as these great people who have, you know, started the whole like, you know, enlightenment and everything, they were doing science to find God. They thought if they could just dig in, like literally dig in um, far enough, then they would be able to discover something about God. They were, you know, that's what science that's was about. I think that's true, but maybe you know, not in the way that they thought. Maybe not in the way that they right. thought, but yeah. <laughs> science that, science, that science doesn't disprove a like deity it just shows you more aspects of deity it just it's your, it's your how you you know take that viewpoint it, it, for me it's widened my perspective so you don't have to take things so literally you don't have to have you know i i've always hated the idea of faith people telling you oh you just have to believe or uh one thing that i hate about uh i shouldn't say hate but i friggin hate about a lot of witches is when people say everything happens for a reason and i'm like how is this a nature-based religion, a nature-based philosophy and craft that will say everything happens for a reason? Because clearly in nature, there is chaos and there's coincidence. Sometimes stuff just happens. 
And to say that every single occurrence is, a, you know, it, it has some sort of deeper meaning, I think, you know, it, it's like, it anno it's always annoyed me because sometimes people get struck by lightning. Sometimes a terrible tragedy happens and it's like some like little kid dies or whatever and you're super depressed about it. It's not, oh, God did that to teach you lessons or whatever. Like, get, get out of here. Nature sometimes just sucks. Sometimes a shark eats a fish, you know, and you're the fish. I was going to say, when they say everything happens for a reason, like sometimes the reason just is that shark was hungry. Like that's still a reason, you know? Yeah. Like you were standing in a bad place and lightning struck there. Like that's why you got hit. Like that's still a reason. And one of the things that we've talked like about that. here like is, you know, embracing science you know, very much embracing science, but also understanding that Western science is a paradigm, it's a worldview, and it comes with very sort of ingrained biases as well. And Western science often will discard things that don't support the hypotheses. Like we've talked about, we talked about a weather modification in, you know, a previous episode and how, like, yes, there is the science behind it. There is the scientific reason why weather happens. That doesn't mean that the spiritual dimension doesn't also exist but the lens of Western science doesn't really have the room for that. But also Western science isn't the only sort of, you know, air quote, scientific method. And it doesn't mean that every other culture is wrong in how they're looking at the world. So like, yes, believe science, but believe evidence, right? Because that's what it's really about. Like you shouldn't also have bl like blind faith in someone just because they tack the word science onto it. What I, what I say on my tour, to kind of simplify what you just said, I, to explain it to tourists, I say, you know, in some parts of the world, science and religion have been getting along for since forever. Um, and in this part of the world, in certain cultures here, we think that they don't, but they can. Science and religion can and should get along. They should be holding hands and frolicking through the fields. And they should be punching each other, having fights every once in a while. Like, you know, but then they still make up because they're homies, you know? <laughs> I, uh, you know, you brought up Lori earlier, and I remember from many years ago, and you know, that's interesting that, you know, you and I both have Lori Cabot sort of in common in our, in our paths, but we never met in those circles. But I remember, this was so long ago, I hadn't even moved to Salem at this point, but she was talking about how, you know, witches should be at sort of the forefront of wanting to discover new things. Exactly. And that we sort of have this fixation of like, oh, when you're doing witchcraft, like, you know, your pen has to be something that you hand carved out of a branch that you dip into ink and it has to be all this old school stuff. And she's like, no, which is, uh, you know, of your, we're using that because that was the latest technology, not because they were against technology. And so, you know, our job isn't to just sort of exist in our isolated, you know, off the grid huts doing everything in a very primitive way. Not that you can't, I mean, honestly, that sounds wonderful, but that that's <laughs> not an inherent part of witchcraft. That an inherent part of witchcraft is wanting to learn more and advance. And so science and witchcraft have to coexist and be informing each other. And one of the most important things in science is guessing and making hypotheses and having theories. And so when you think um, this, this is something that I explain when it comes to the symbolism of the Baphomet statue, um, the, the main um, religious symbol, one of the most important symbols, I should say, of the Satanic Temple is the Baphomet. Uh, in this particular Baphomet, part of the symbolism is that it has an upside-down pentagram behind it, and then a right-side-up pentagram on its forehead. And then, of course, like most Baphomet depictions, it's pointing up and it's pointing down. And this, to you know, most people, uh, you know, coming from this magical perspective and coming from the Satanic Temple, it's seen as the balance between, you know, pointing up is, you know, higher thought, like religion and theorizing and, you know, really philosophizing about things or whatever. Um, and then like pointing down is logic and science and earth-based thought. Um, but the idea is that they are not opposing forces, that those two things, um, you know, come together, right? So, you know, we should be trying to figure out things and making guesses and messing up and stuff. And, but we should also have that scientific side of us that really is able to accept when we are wrong, you know, that's really, and that's, if people just can't accept when they're wrong, <laughs> it's so important to be like, yeah, I fucked up. I think that's a good thing about me. I, I fucked up so much in my youth 
that it's really easy for, for me to admit that I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, so that's actually something that Erica Feldman, when she was uh, a guest here, mentioned as well. Like, just, it's okay to be wrong. Embrace it. Like, be wrong and, like, be okay with it. <laughs> and grow from it. But you know, the, the hand gestures that you're mentioning in the Baphomet statue, right, that's equivalent to the hand gestures that we see in the magician card in the tarot and the devil card in the tarot, right? It's that, as you mentioned, it's that higher thought and, you know, like the more nature-based earthly thoughts, but also it's that power of manifestation that comes from that, right? Those things coming together, there is power in that. So you can see there's just one other perfect example of how the satanic temple uses occult symbolism it still pays homage to its history and respects it, but interprets it in a slightly different way. Um, and that's just one of my favorite things about it. And obviously, um, you know, most religions do stuff like that. But I, I, I study, I've been studying religions for so long that um, to be, to see a, a new religion grow and just become something so cool um, from, it's just, it's been really fun to witness, you know. Yeah. You mentioned the, the documentary. So I, some people may have seen the docu documentary Hail Satan uh, with a question mark at the end. About, to say that uh, with a question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Hail Satan. But uh, so I work at a film festival, the Boston Underground Film Festival. And a couple of years ago, we showed that film with the director there and Lucian was there to talk about it. And some of the, um, the Boston chapter of the satanic temple came to do a ritual the afterwards it's night yeah and we got the the, the club shut down <laughs> there was there was some faux nudity involved and they were we were you know i mean the the director of the festival is a very dear friend of mine and she explained very clearly to the guy who owns the club what was going on and that they were not going to be nude they would be wearing nude suits but evidently they were a little too accurate although the the yeah. baby's the uh, baby doll arm that's um, what it was you have to say that it was not yeah. it wasn't even the it was a baby's arm not a penis <laughs> yes which is a great joke it was a, i mean you it's know, creepy and weird but you know that's hilarious but uh, but yeah, it was clear. Like from where I was standing, ten feet away, it was very clearly a baby doll arm. From where the owner was watching on the video cameras halfway across town, it was not. Yeah, and this <laughs> is an important so, thing to stress when it comes to uh, sense around the time that the documentary came out. Uh, maybe a little bit before that, um, there were a few people who began uh, writing some satanic rituals for the satanic temple in which they didn't necessarily invert, um, you know, it wasn't just about inverting um, Christian mythology and ritual, specifically Catholic, but it became a way of also subverting Levian ritual. So one of the most annoying things to a lot of people that learn about Satanism is the generally what is by some people, including myself, to be considered the blatant misogyny even on like the very first page of the satanic bible there are some questionable stuff and some people will be like oh shut up tom you social justice warrior but i'm like i don't care um that's just how i see it but you know obviously it was written a long time ago and everybody was a sexist jerk to a certain extent back then um but one of the things that uh levey says is if you don't have a woman available for an altar then you can use a table that's something he he says. If you don't know, if, if a woman isn't available, I guess you can use a table. So the Satanic Temple likes to use men as the naked man as the altar, um, which usually freaks out all the right people. Usually, they just like people go to these th certain type of people showing up to one of these rituals, and you know they they see uh, a naked dude instead of you know uh, what is it, the big titty goth girl or whatever. It's like a dude instead, and that makes them mad, and then the Satanic Temple is happy because it's making the right people angry. Yeah, it was it was a it was an interesting night because a couple of the people working there immediately, like when they saw what was going on, just left. They they quit their shifts and then they walked out. The people that stayed thought it was hilarious and were just like, "Yes, I'm taking all the tips from all these people because they, they look like drinkers." Was it a Chinese restaurant? It's yeah. upstairs to Hong Kong. It's their club. Oh, it was kind of like the um, that place called the Middle East, where there's the restaurant, but then a separate place where there's the little club area. Yeah, that place is great. 
Yeah, where's the Hong Kong place? I've never heard of it. From Harvard Square down um, Mass Ave towards Central. Oh, it's there. Yeah, so, I mean, the party moved somewhere else that, you know, happy to take our money. But, uh, but yeah, we, we got the place that we all got kicked out. Well, it wouldn't be the first time and it won't be the last. And I mean, we were so careful about explaining what was happening and that it was going to be like fake. Like anyway, but yeah, people, people have a reaction. And I think that that reaction is obviously is played up on from the part of the satanic temple. Like they're looking for that reaction to some point, but on the other hand, like people rule will react above what is um, appropriate. Yeah, like another example of where, you know, the Satanic Temple is seen as trolling, but they weren't necessarily, was in the case, um, man, I'm blanking on this. I used to know the whole story by heart because I, I would talk about the memorial. It's in the, the uh, headquarters art gallery in Salem on Bridge Street. So ba- basically, there was a cemetery, which was a veterans memorial cemetery, and somebody added a Christian religious monument in there. And the city decided at some point that because it was you couldn't, it's you know government property, you couldn't have a religious monument in there. That they would create a little free speech zone, and any religion that wanted to donate something to that little free speech religious area zone could. So the Satanic Temple saw that this is clearly bullshit, and that if a different religion was going to donate something to the little free speech zone that the, the city wouldn't take it, that they were, that obviously it wasn't about having a little free speech zone. It was about putting Christianity above other religions. And to, to kind of show that we created a beautiful monument to veterans. And remember, there are atheists, there are atheists in foxholes. And there are a lot of people that are members of the satanic temple that are in the military. So as this was being created, it ended up being something far more serious because it was such a beautiful monument. It's just like a, a really pretty cube made out of like whatever the heck statue metal. I don't know metals of statues. It's really nice. And it has like the inverted pentagram on each of the four sides. And then on the top, it has an, an upside down helmet. And it's just, I don't know. It's really nice. It's classy. It's tasteful. And the city council denied it. And in that case, it was actually really upsetting because we would have preferred it went in because it was respectful and nice. And, you know, in the, whereas in the case with the Baphomet statue, we kind of want to keep it forever. We kind of don't, you know, we don't want it to actually end up somewhere. <laughs> it's the best statue <laughs> in the world ever. Um, and we want to keep it like hidden in our area so we can take pictures of it every day. And it was, of course, copied on Sabrina. Oh, yeah, that was, you know, I was the one who discovered that. I'm, I'm obsessed with Salem and anything related with Salem in the media. And I'm every every TV show, every movie or anything that has anything to do with the witch trials or Salem, I always find out way, way ahead of time. I do tons of research. I don't know why I'm obsessed. And that's where my, my page comes from, Salem Witch Wiles, which used to be a blog, but it's now just like a Facebook page. Where, uh, but basically, I'm... Uh, I learned about this, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. It was going to be on Netflix uh, before they even had cast. Um, just, you know, all they had was like a little sketch that someone had made and the director announced it on Twitter. And So for years, I was looking forward to this because in the comic, the, the cat Salem, the reason he became a cat is because he like, it's something like he cheats on his girlfriend, who's a witch during the Salem witch trials, and she curses him and turns him into the black cat. So I'm anticipating this thinking, oh, we're going to get some cool Salem flashbacks. They're going to go back to the witch trials. Like, this will be really cool. The show comes out and they just made him a goddamn goblin. They changed the story. And they made the cat just be a goblin or some dumb thing. So that was a little upsetting. But <laughs> what was even more upsetting was that as I was obsessing over this before the show came out and I realized the disappointment of the cat, um, I, the first video clip of the show came out. It was released and I'm watching it like, oh, this is great. And they show our, the, the Satanic Temple's trademarked Baphomet statue, and which is, you know, the Baphomet itself is not, you know, it's a generic symbol. It's just like a cross. Anybody can use cross, but if you have a specific rendition of a cross, that's very obviously a particular, you know, artistic rendition and it's been trademarked, that's a different thing, you know, and that's what this is. So they literally accidentally stole it. Like it wasn't on purpose. They didn't even necessarily know what the hell had happened. It ended up not being that big of a deal. 
and but it was still like the biggest news story of that year it was like the the satanic temple is suing sabrina the teenage witch and like they i don't even think they needed to sue or whatever it's just like that's the way it comes out in the media or something and everything ended up being fine i don't know the details of it they keep all that stuff secret from the the regular the lowly people um but everything was fine the show wasn't that bad but it got really bad later on the first like two (laughs) seasons okay i mean i have I have my list of complaints with it and with the, with the show, and it definitely includes the fact that they don't know the difference between knitting and crochet. That's my ah, you're literally, you're literally, what are you doing right now? Oh, I'm knitting. I'm knitting, you're knitting right now. Yeah, but they have that whole scene where oh, I don't remember, but the grandma is passing away, and she's making. Um, I think she was crocheting. I don't remember at this point. You know, an Afghan, and they're talking about how it's her funeral shroud, and they just completely mentioned the wrong craft but honestly that's a widespread problem in hollywood and i don't understand it's not that hard folks it's two different things anyway well i mean don't get me started if we're going to talk about the, the nuances of the little things that they got wrong in that show i remember when the show first came out they they bragged about how there was an actual witch on the writing staff and there were a few news articles that went viral about like there's a real witch that helped write the show to make sure it's authentic and then the show came out and the, it was a lot of sophomoric references and a lot of, uh, they, they pronounced the word Samhain wrong. And like any, that it was some beginner's stuff. They, 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 um, what did they, they mixed up a bunch of, um, goddesses. They did an incantation at one point that absolutely just was pulling random references out of nowhere and cobbling them together. And yeah. Um, but it was still a good show for what it was for the first two seasons. I actually didn't even finish it. The, there's still more, and then there's more coming out, but it got canceled because everything sucks this year, right? <laughs> well, I think, you know, for that, like, oh, they have a, a, a real witch on the production team or the writing staff or whatever. As we've talked about in this podcast over and over again, there's lots of definitions of what witch is. So what and like, mean, yeah. what your knowledge base is, is going to be different. So, you know, they could very well have witches on their production team, but they have, you know, they're coming from a different direction or they're a different, uh, you know, different background that they don't know those things. The way that they did it in that movie, The Craft was good, where it was authentic, but not enough where they actually used any real, they used a fake God name so that it didn't offend anyone. I was actually thinking of that. So I was, um, you know, I was just out of college when the craft came out. So, you know, I, it wasn't one of my big influences, but I remember watching it thinking, oh man, they couldn't even get the gods right. With it. You know, what's going on here? And, you know, cause I was, I had already been a pagan at that point for, you know, almost 10 years. And, but then like, you know, reading about it more recently and it's like, oh no, they did that deliberately because they did respect the religion and they didn't want to accidentally piss anybody Can off. And so like, you know. It's so easy to like, to do something fucked up. Like, I mean, just like, um, just in the news the other day, Cardi B did a photo shoot that she didn't even realize was offensive. Some people were like, no, it'll be, it'll be so badass. We'll dress you up like this Hindu goddess and you'll be holding shoes in each of the arms. And um, it will just be like, you know, empowerment and women and goddesses. And she's like, word, I'm all about this. And then people were like, dude, you can't wear shoes in a Hindu temple. Like shoes are, they offend, (laughs) like you got to learn this. So she had no idea, but she totally, you know, so it's, it's pretty easy to accidentally offend people, you know, make a mistake. Yeah. I read that about her. I felt shitty. It's it's okay to make the mistake. It's what you do afterwards that matters. Yeah, yeah, she accepted that she fucked up. She was like, oops. <laughs> so we are just about hitting an hour. And before we wrap up, I did want to just briefly touch on, you know, your tour guide. We're in a pandemic. How is how is that different this year? How is, how is Salem different this year? <clears throat> well, um, I don't know. There's so many different ways that I could approach that. But I think I've been trying to be positive about it and still have fun while still being safe. And the city, um, the city's restrictions are, you know, you have to wear a mask like just about everywhere downtown and tour groups are limited to 10 per group. Um, So it's, it's an outdoor guided tour. So um, it's been really fun and safe and October for me this year was really easy and I was still able to have a good time, but I, you know, I mean, my friends that work in, in retail and my friends that work in the restaurant industry, just they had a terrible time. 
So it was really, it's really, really different depending on what industry you work in. I, I guess with all the problems that we've had this year with, you know, in, in the tour guide industry in, in all in all, I guess, you know, I can't complain too much. I could, I definitely could, but you know, one of the big issues, if I was going to have one complaint about this year is that smart people stayed home and stupid people traveled. It's so true. So the city, instead of saying, Hey, if you're going to be cool about social distancing and you're going to like not be a dumbass, please come to Salem still. But if you don't wear a mask or if you're going to be dumb about stuff, stay out, you know, and really just keep the stupid people out of Salem should have been their main goal. But instead they did a whole, just no one come here. And what that did was it made more people that were just rebellious or didn't necessarily want to follow the rules. were like, Oh, I'm still going to go, but I'm lucky because with all the different tour companies in town, most people, if they're going to just be some random person and end up just on a random, oh, I come to Salem to do whatever type of thing, that's one thing. But my tour is called the Satanic Salem Walking Tour. And it's very clear that it's associated with the Satanic Temple. And the only people that buy tickets are generally usually smart, open-minded people. No one's going to buy a ticket to a tour with Satan in the title and then not listen to like logic or whatever. They're, they're usually people that are open-minded, you know, I'm very lucky that I have that. Um, but like I said, for most people, it isn't like that. That was actually going to be my next question is what makes your, your tour different? And you just mentioned that, you know, it's the satanic temples walking tour. So what makes the tour satanic? If you want to sum up what the satanic temple is, you know, it's one of those religions that has no supernatural elements, uh, no gods, no masters. It's logic, science, philosophy based. So I thought when I could create a new tour based on those concepts, this would be perfect. Um, because in Salem, a lot of the focus is the supernatural. So I thought to be able to create a tour that looked at things completely not from a supernatural perspective would be very useful. Then also I realized that as I, after really after I created the tour and after I started doing it, I had more of an epiphany over time where I realized that most of the museums and most of the tour companies in Salem don't really, they do this thing where they're like, oh, I don't want to get political. But what they do is they omit important things from history that are not political at all, but just idiots would be offended by. So I am going to tell the truth for instance, you know, about how the Puritans sucked, you know, and I'm an, I'm straight up about that. And there are like academic historians and people who will be like, oh my gosh. And when I say something like, you know, the main reason that Bridget Bishop was a victim, you know, during, she was targeted during the Salem witch trials was sexism. Academic historians will say like, oh, well, it's far more complex than that and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, no, it wasn't. Like, and I can tell you all the exact reasons, you know, why the Puritans' terrible culture led them to hate someone like her and, you know, how that is based in sexism. And I can do that on the Satanic Salem tour. I don't have to, you know, hide anything. And, you know, when I talk about what a witch hunt is, for instance, I can say, like, there, I can make correlations between things that are happening today, because as a historian, that's my job. I'm not supposed to, you know, worry about hurting a tourist's feelings and they're not going to buy a candle in the gift shop later. If it hurts their feelings that I tell them the truth that their favorite politician is a witch hunter and, you know, people should be nice to immigrants. And if it, that offends them, then they can fuck off, you know? So I do on my tour. It's my favorite example of witch hunting, I say, is it's something as a historian, people say I, they think I'm getting political but I'm not. It's happened all throughout history, over and over in tons of different countries. Politicians will trick people into being afraid of foreigners or immigrants in order to get support, votes, or power, or money. And people will get mad at me when I say that. They'll be like offended and thinking that I'm talking specifically about Donald Trump. It's like, am I? Am I? Do you think I am? Like... <laughs> I mean, you know, politics and xenophobia, and I say that as you know, someone who is an immigrant, are definitely very, very intertwined because, you know, borders are made up and they are the embodiment of xenophobia. That idea of, you know, this is mine and they're on that side. So, absolutely. So, we're wrapping up at about an hour. Do we have anything else we want to cover before we 
Well, I think, uh, Tom, if you can tell us where can people find you to book tours and learn more about Salem history? Yeah, the um, so the tour company uh, that I work for, I actually work for two right now. The Satanic Salem Walking Tours is where you can um, learn all about Salem's history from the satanic perspective. And that is satanictours.com. And the webs or the Facebook is, you know, Satanic Salem Walking Tours. Then I also have my Facebook page that I do for fun and I post weird stuff. And that's uh, Salem Witch Wiles. Then also I work for a friend of mine. Uh, I do tours with her company as well. And that's called Tours for Touring Tourists. If you're coming to Salem, you want to learn about witchcraft. I do a tour there that's all about real witchcraft. And another one that's, you know, just about the Salem history. And so there's lots of different options. Yeah, and one thing that I'm going to add to the show notes is, you know, Tom, one of the things that you and I did together last summer in 2019 yes. was we filmed a ritual episode in my backyard for Mysteries Decoded. So for anyone who's curious about that, we can post a link in the show notes. Yeah, that was great. Uh, that was so much fun. I, lo- I like when, when they were filming that, everybody was getting kind of nervous and we were like setting up, trying to make sure everything was perfect. And I kept saying, don't worry. Don't worry, they're going to edit this and make us look so cool. And we did a pretty good ritual, but then once they edited it, they made us look so much cooler than we are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. As usual, if you have any questions for us or for Thomas, you can email us at askawitch at witchcitywitches.com. Becca and I are, of course, available for tarot readings. And thanks so much for tuning in. Happy Halloween. Thank you, everybody.